Hey guys, welcome to Tech Point Africa podcast. My name is Emmanuel. I'm Oluwani Femi. I'm Bolu. My name is Oganyaroma. And I'm Chimgozuru. So yeah, what's going on with tech today, Nifemi? You have something concerning fitness apps and what what it is that taking away from us in exchange for being fit. Okay, my she starts with it's not like many people care, but we still have to talk about it. So there is a new report by Mozilla, and they did an analysis on 32 mental health and prayer apps. And they found out that 29 out of that 32 do not have privacy for their users. There's no way that it's, it's clear in their um, privacy settings where they can assure you that your data is actually safe. And is, as I mentioned earlier, many people do not really care, but it's something to worry about because as it's where these kind of apps, they, they get intimate with you. They know when you're sad, they know if you're on depression pills. They know if you've ever had PTSD. They know when you're down. They know a lot of things about you, very intimate things. And they can't even assure you that this is how we undo your data. And one of them that on the list, I, I see a number that are not very popular. One that is actually popular and I have on my phone presently is Calm, a meditation app. I, I, I downloaded it at a time when I was having issues with sleep. And it has sounds that can lull you to sleep. If you want bedtime stories, it can tell you. I actually stopped using it when it was asking me to subscribe. It's a subscription-based app. But I used it for free for a while. And even though they have access to a lot of information about you, right you can even put the, the the information about your family on this calm app they can't tell you that they are keeping your data safe the, the thing is the, the thing that keeps coming to my mind with this mental health apps prayer apps including f- fitness apps is that although on the surface right they they look like they are helping you of course they are in a way because well it tells me then it's they look like they are helping you and they but they are still profit based they have to get your data out to a third party that can target you for ads it reminds me of sometimes last year was it 2021 or 2020 when there it was 2021 around the time when whatsapp was saying it said that you agree to have privacy um, new private updated privacy settings or you'll be kicked out of the app and there was like is it a mini opera online that why would whatsapp do that what do they need my data for meanwhile whatsapp is not even it's not, they are not even requesting for as much as data points as these fitness apps mental health apps request for and begs the question what are you really protecting? Do you even do you even care about what you are protecting? So it's one of those times when we have to remind ourselves. If you can't answer the question that, do I want these people to know as this much information about me? And I think we shouldn't use those apps. That is that's just the thing. We we did a poll at a time, right? It was still around this time that WhatsApp was. Permit me to say, turn it on your own. 
and we put um, WhatsApp beside Telegram beside Signal. As it's public opinion that Signal is safer than than those other platforms than WhatsApp and Telegram when it comes to your privacy, your data privacy. But you'd be surprised. The poll shows that people would rather go with something that is less safer in that con- context which is whatsapp right than signal because of what the because of the utility you get most of the people in your circle use whatsapp if you disconnect from whatsapp you'll be losing out on some things i'd rather stay with whatsapp than go to where my data will be safe so it's, it goes a long way to show us that at least for the ones that we know africans we do not really care that much about our data so maybe it's not that we don't care about the data it's probably because we don't care so much about data with some of these apps. So I, I don't know about social media apps, but when I'm doing other stuff, maybe browsing the internet, for example, when you're on Chrome, that there's incognito tab. And I am willing to bet that a lot of people use incognito tab when they want to hide their search history. So maybe we don't care so much about social media apps especially when you consider the fact that you can, like our understanding of privacy might be very limited, but on other apps that we use, you're probably more conscious about privacy. You don't want people to find out what you're doing. And so you may take some precautions on these other apps. So it's probably a social media, a social media thing, because really, like you said, all I waste my time on social media, on the social media app that very few people I know are using. When I could just forgo anything that it is that that they are supposedly taking away from us, so I don't know. Yeah, it's. It, I think we should just start from the basis of do you even pay attention to privacy settings? I Why don't. I read it? It's only on a man that reads it. Yeah, exactly. It's an unnecessary stress, please. <laughs> Spare me. <laughs> just, just scroll down to the end and agree to everything. At the end of the day, would would we say Africans, for instance, really care about who is their data? Yeah. What they have access to, we don't really care. Let's just accept that fact. But is it really an African thing? You know, it's just I disagree. We have insights into Africa, so we may think it's just Africans. I think it's Africans is that it's not like we don't really care about our data. It's the fact that there's really there are really no alternatives that we can comfortably or safely use. So, for example, it's Nifemi's example where she gave where she said. If you are given the option of moving to Signal and still sticking with WhatsApp, most people choose WhatsApp because a lot more people they know on WhatsApp. So, although the alternatives, most people don't really use Signal or any of the other privacy-conscious messaging apps, privacy-conscious in quotes here, as much as you would say use WhatsApp because WhatsApp is more popular and more people use it. So it's more of there are not so many options or that most people don't really know about the op- other options they have hmm. yeah I, I i get that part right but yes there's no alternative right but someone like me i know uh, rather than do something shabby or do something that has a lot of hiccups i'd rather not do it at all but yeah there's just something unique about africa like i was saying and we usually respond to technology in different ways so for instance recently we just heard that uh, central africa republic has adopted bitcoin as a legal tender so bitcoin is still confusing technology all over the world but 
here is an African country that adopted it. So yeah. I feel like there's always an alternative. There's always a choice where no matter how much your backs are against the wall. Maybe I'm jumping ahead of the gun. Mm. Maybe there's not so much to celebrate about Bitcoin. So, but Bolu, do you have some insight for us? Okay. I think you might be right. There might really be, we might not really have much to celebrate about because, yeah, you might have choices, but how, how good are those choices? And Central Africa Republic has made a choice and from the looks of things, it might not really be the best choice for them i could be wrong looking at where the country is right now i don't think that would be the um, best choice for them right now they recently made bitcoin illegal tender the second country in the world and the first african country to do that and thinking about it el salvador was the first country to do that and since they did that we've not really seen any signs of improvement if anything things got worse recently the um International Monetary uh, Fund said they had like the chances of them paying back some of the debts they owed as now like the chances are now very low like they are owing so much now so things actually got worse for El Salvador after making Bitcoin illegal tender and now we now have an African country that has that 70 70 about 70 percent of its population do not have access to the internet electricity is not really uh, that much of a thing in car um this technology most when you know that that percentage of of people living in a particular country don't have internet you can almost deduce that they probably don't really know that much about bitcoin and now they've made bitcoin a legal tender I, I I really don't understand you know the rationale. Uh, I was in the spaces recently where they were talking about it, and I think some people are of the impression that it's it, it might it might actually be a, a how do I put it now without shooting myself in the leg <laughs> that it might be a corrupt do something sketchy around the financials of the country. I don't really, I don't know how exactly, but that, some people have uh, that opinion, and some people are also saying that CAR is a very close ally of Russia. And now that SWIFT is down, SWIFT is an international um, a, a way where countries send you know money uh, to each other. So it's like a an international system where you send. Uh, money across countries but now um, russia has been banned from that and cryptocurrencies naturally seem like the best thing you know, after that so people are trying to so connect the dots what, right it's on paper looks like something that is not debut. of course three years from now if you put it on google the first african country to make crypto <laughs> a legal tender cr will come out so for one it's that's a prestige for them but as you said <laughs> the rationale i don't get but then it's almost I, I think looking at it from an angle it's easy to push i don't want to mm. say an agenda it is easy to push something when the population is little mm. he gets so they might not be looking for a mainstream big kind of adoption right when mm. it's only a little population you have to control I think it's something that you can be able to push and follow through on a year that is big. At least we have a, a high number of people that yeah. have access to the internet. Hmm. So I'm just 
open for them, but I think it's just for the gram. So I have no a theory. Opinion. Yeah. Okay. I have a, I have a theory about this, right? It it doesn't. It's not out of. I don't think it's a misfiring uh, decision or a decision that could backfire for now. It's also my own opinion, but think about it. When any African country gets on the bad side of Western government, what happens? Restrictions, trade bans, and all of that. They can't trade with the outside world because they probably don't have access to dollar. So just the way Bitcoin supposedly gives people the freedom from demand, that uh, freedom from the government, from the bank, and all of that, couldn't it? Shouldn't it be given small countries that probably wouldn't be able to stand toe to toe with the bigger countries on a normal day? But shouldn't it be giving them an advantage, okay. not being under subservience of the West, as it were? So I think the small small countries should pay their loans back when they're done with their debt. <laughs> 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 because they feel they can step on these people's toe and get away with this. Now, Bitcoin, crypto can even save them. They have to finish up hmm. all their debts. Then that, that's just can, the truth. We can talk about that thing. Hmm. Crypto is not a magic one. We should we should also keep in mind that the Central African Republic, the currency they use is actually used by six six African countries. The CFA franc. So the central bank of the central bank of those six countries did not even know that um, CAR was going to make Bitcoin a legal tender. So the, the news was sudden, and then you think about it, there wasn't really enough preparation for it. Do that people really know how to use these things? Shouldn't there be some sort of sensitization first? When you begin to ask those questions, you begin to see that what is going on here is actually really deeper than than what we are seeing on the surface. So I think there are a lot of questions to be asked and there are a lot of questions to be answered. You can say what you want to say, Tim Okay, okay. So the way I see it is that when it's, when sanctions are placed on you, they don't exactly tell you that you won't be able to trade with the outside world. They just tell specific people. When this guy tells you he wants to buy stuff from you, don't bother replying him. Whether you're using cryptocurrencies or whatever, if I say I'm not, I'm not transacting with you, I don't see how the, the medium of payment or transaction will suddenly sway me. So probably they could be able to get stuff on the black market, which I think people have already been doing without cryptocurrencies. I don't see how cryptocurrency helps you bypass regulations like that. But the mm. other angle, so we're talking about how the country may not be at the best place to use cryptocurrencies. And I'm just wondering... The fact that it's made legal tender, is it the most that everybody uses it? Because if everybody's not using it, then it's only people who have cryptocurrencies for one that can transact in it. Like, I can't buy stuff or pay for stuff if I don't have cryptocurrencies. And if you come to me, let's say I'm a merchant, and I say I'm not accepting cryptocurrencies, or that I don't have the means to accept cryptocurrencies, I assume you probably have to, like, look for alternatives so except it's probably mandated by law that you must accept that i, I don't know how that's a very mm. serious problem for them yeah. especially at these initial stages that reminds mm. me of, of inaira oh yeah i do yeah. their elder brother 
<laughs> Central Africa Republic has a lot of questions to answer for one, but yeah, we have our own questions. Yes. What's the point? Sorry, <laughs> what's going on about this? Exactly. Uh, in <laughs> yeah, interesting point that Tungozum actually brought up. So there's the fact that you it might not be a compos- uh, compulsory thing to actually accept um, cryptocurrencies as a form of payment, but I think it still I think it still behooves a government to be sure that what you're actually doing could benefit your people, could actually make things better and the way they rushed into this kind of shows that they've not really done their homework they've not really researched how this could actually benefit benefit the country but again it can be we might be you know talking too early the crypto markets for a while now has not really been doing well maybe it's going to skyrocket again to 100k and you might see people from Central African Republic <laughs> coming to You're do vacation, showing us that. <laughs> yes, but, uh, showing us that. I'm just curious: is it possible that the government is actually holding some Bitcoin of their own? <laughs> they will, they I mean, definitely, will. because if you are going by what happened in El Salvador, the government of El Salvador has been buying like, Bitcoin steadily, like buying, buying up Bitcoins. I think. I don't know how much they started with exactly initially, but I know there was a time they bought about $10 million worth of Bitcoins. So it's very likely that the government... I think about it, that the government is now an active crypto trader. And the continent has not really come out publicly to say that they are embracing crypto. Anyways, agenda (laughs) must agenda. (laughs) That's interesting. Nigeria's era is still, I don't know, we've not really seen that much they actually got an award recently <laughs> for, oh, was it an award wrong. no not an award i think pwc did yes a recognition pwc did a report where they said that nigeria's inara i think was one of the um, central bank digital currency that was launched like was launched very well and i don't well how many have you been launched before you've been saying the <laughs> how many how many launched <laughs> Okay, that's that was a weird report, right? I, I, mean, I <laughs> yes, yes, I respect yes. PwC for a lot of things, but come on, what did they launch very well? The adoption has not taken, and in fact, but, let but me the not, numbers say otherwise. Like the numbers the, PwC gave us, that, they said the, the speed wallets that the NRI is using was downloaded in about 160 countries. Yes, oh, I downloaded wow. it out of curiosity. <laughs> By how <What>? many people? <laughs> I downloaded that of curiosity. I'm like, what is going on? Over 700,000 downloads. Yes. Country with 200 million people in Nigeria and possibly more in the diaspora. That's like a drop in the ocean. I beg, I beg. (laughs) So, 700,000. That's their. Has what? I don't know what to call it. They've not achieved the job market. You know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? Let's let's leave this story because this inera thing confuses me a lot on a daily basis. So let's just calm down first. Inera. And wish CAR the best. CAR, yes. I, I, I hope we'll check back up. in a few months. Yeah. I hope we hope it doesn't wrong. end up like El Salvador because <laughs> come on. That that was a me. I was trying to play devil's advocate. I don't see how Bitcoin helps anything. So, but. Yeah, let's try and leave all this government and Yawala. What a Nigerian startup, hidden life, a lifestyle startup, the hospitality, or however you want to tag them. They recently announced their expansion to Kenya. 
And yeah, what's the story behind that, Onome? Yeah, yeah. So I can get your, what's it called? Your confusion and what to call it then. But <laughs> they said I concede service. So let's go with that. But yeah, yeah. Basically, Eden expanded into Kenya last year, but they just announced this year that was last week. And they, mm. as they expanded into Kenya, what they did was they acquired Link is basically the Eden of Kenya. It's just that Link does on-demand services rather than subscription-based services. But yeah, they've been on it since last year. They got introduced to themselves in november last year then yeah november last year or so and then they started they integrated by december they got their first paying customer by december and yeah they've moved on from that to actually announcing that they've acquired link hmm interesting so what what do we expect from the link acquisition are they going to be offering uh, diverse, more diverse kind of services we did try to transfer links products to nigeria so how will it work well i spoke with akini akini is the kenyan eden kenyan country manager and she mm-hmm. said that for them at eden kenya what they're going to be doing is importing some things from link so at link they offered several services they offered carpentry they offered basically a lot of gig work, a lot of um, informal informal jobs. So that's what they offered. So eventually they might bring in some of their old products, old services. But the only new thing that they are going to add to the Kenyan Kenyan services that is not being done in Nigeria is beauty and services. Beauty and you know, sorry. So they are going to be offering spa services and all of that but she did mention that they are not going to be offering some things like carpentry because that is very time consuming yeah it just made me remember my experience with a carpenter recently or our experience (laughs) with a carpenter recently Uh, so now a lot of artisan work like informal trading work it's usually very tricky in nigeria so i'm really fascinated by companies that are looking to standardize stuff like this did they mention anything about babbing let me know (laughs) no actually they didn't but she said something that was actually interesting so with link what they used to do was on demand so if you want them to do something for you you just contact contact them and it's one of so say you want to do a a tv stand and you go to link i want a tv stand link connects you to the carpenter that is going to do the tv stand for you and maybe you pay half of the money deposit then that's all maybe when they are done that's the last time you're going to contact link so what they did was do a lot of b2b because that helps them okay but covid19 now spoils everything a lot of their business a lot of their business customers couldn't pay anymore because of covid19 remote work blah 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 so that was what even gave eden the in into getting into acquiring link but apart from that she Hmm. said something that is interesting about subscription services so i asked her uh, um, actor if if subscription services would catch on in kenya because Mm -hmm. based off what they Mm -hmm. were doing before it was on demand 
now they are introducing subscription services so she she okay. gave an example of your so for example you want someone to clean your house and each month you pay the person ten thousand euro that is already a form of subscription yeah this is just like them doing it in a way that is recurring so you just okay. automatically pay for whatever services you're doing so it's not like sub- subscription is something that is so different from what you're doing but they're also going to have issues with getting people to accept certain cultural differences in the way they're going to do things for example she said that in kenya if you have a cleaner the cleaner is going to be your babysitter your cook and everything basically <laughs> but with, okay. with this now the cleaner is going to be the, the cleaner is going to be only the cleaner so you're not going to you're paying the cleaner to be a cleaner and a cleaner only so she's so there's also going to be that cultural shift for kenyans how are you going to work with that did, did she explain how they're going to do that because now that you mentioned it why would someone who already has a nanny and a cleaner and all in one package why why would that person the, her, she was she hammered a lot on education on educating people on okay so basically that was the education yeah, educating people i don't know how that is going to work but it should be interesting <laughs> okay that's that's, so I don't that's know an why. interesting one i don't know i'm i'm so skeptical about the whole acquisition just looks like a bad move so i'm trying to understand how what they do like when you do an acquisition you're supposed to acquire someone either in a line of business similar to yours or maybe someone that you you want to get into his business or something like that right and Eden life is basically home services i want to get my clothes washed i want food prepared and stuff like that and then these guys previously connected people to informal workers so actually link link does link does what link does what Eden does so there's really no difference just that link offered more services and it was on demand it wasn't subscription but every single so thing it might just be then diversifying yeah the simplest way to actually look at it is this is the easiest way to enter into the kenyan market yep. the, the whole mm-hmm. hassle of registering getting a new company name company registration so many hassles out of the way because link already has all that mm-hmm. you don't have to start setting up in kenya from scratch so yeah. by acquiring link just with one with just that acquisition they already have all they need so i think cc did something similar like that with i hope that was I, hope. I guess so it's actually one of the easiest way to enter the kenyan market and uh, however when you look at it there are so many possibilities that uh, could come up and uh, yeah it has gotten me thinking about the venture capital landscape and how different startups come with huge promises to disrupt this to do this and that but somehow venture capital seems to be slowing down what is going on i mean what happened to the whole lofty promises and the whole future the bubble. and all of that the bubble is no 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 busted. let's let's not let's not say the bubble is buzzed let's hear from Chimbuzi. <laughs> the bubble burst so, <laughs> I, I don't think you can say the bubble so it's just the case of venture capital globally slowing down it's not just an african thing so it's, it's slowing down everywhere 
And so if you look back at 2020, when the pandemic was about to start, a lot of people were, were worried that they disrupt that venture capital activity were going to be disrupted. So you had to do due diligence, but now you couldn't travel anymore. You had to meet up with founders and all of a sudden you couldn't travel to where they were or they couldn't travel to where you were um, to meet you. So it's... It disrupted activities. And if you remember, African startups raised less money in 2020 than they raised in 2019. So that's one of the effects of COVID-19. But after a while, investors got a hang of it. They found a way to do due diligence. I I think they wrote an article um, about an investor that was doing due diligence during the pandemic, like basically how he was doing it. So they figured out a way around it. And you saw a surge the stage of in, tech crunch, right? Yes. So okay. you saw a, a surge in investments. And now it's looking okay. The pandemic is over. There's no... It's almost like that rush, that thing you're rushing to go and meet has finally come to meet. There's really nothing to miss out on. And then it's also not helped by the fact that late-stage startups that have IPO'd they're not really doing so well. So you IPO and it's your valuation comes crashing down. So that's one of the reasons. Because COVID-19 accelerated it, but it didn't just stop mm. the moment um, COVID-19 looked like it was abating. So everybody just carried it over 2021. They were still doing like mad deals. So last year, African startups did like $5 billion in, or approximately $5 billion in um, venture mm. funding. So looked like it was a very good thing and really it is or it was a very good thing but now you're seeing a situation where what's happening outside in other in other parts of the world may start to affect what you call it investment activities here so like in in the u.s or parts of europe it's almost like investors are taking a step backward so they're no longer doing too many late stage deals so you may have noticed that guys like tiger tiger global are investing more frequently in african startups and they are now, and not just African startups, they're also investing in like late, sorry, early stage um, startups. And then it's, I think it makes a lot of sense. So late stage guys are now, they are no longer being evaluated on the basis of a promise. You're supposed to show us mm. full working. So now, early yeah. stage startups, working, you yeah. can still make a lot of, what do you call it? You can still make a big killing on early stage startups. So previously, where you could be doing, you could be raising at 70 to 80x your revenues. Now, your a lot of startups would probably have to do 10x, 20x instead. So it's really good to see how it affects Africa. We are seeing, so I think it was last week that we were wondering why is it that we are seeing very little fundraising activities. And it turns out that this like april was on it was on course to be like the lowest so far so we've had funding growing from january to february to march and all of a sudden i think april was like 140 million or so compared to 600 and something in previous month fortunately one one startup kind of saved the sun king raised like 260m and that pushed up what was what was raised in april but then when you take out one person's fundraising looks like the evaluation is actually, are slowing down yeah things are slowing down so it's mm. too early to see how it's going to affect so you can't say anything about the bubble now yeah we can't say it's a bubble it's probably that investors they're no longer that 
like you're now beginning to value these guys as serious companies no longer startups no longer promises so you now have to deliver you cannot go you cannot tell me your banking the bank man you shared the tweet where someone was like six african startups went to be founders went yeah. to silicon valley to tell them how to bank their bank that era is over now they're asking you okay fine you said you want to bank them back but oh yeah who have you banked so you can't be telling yeah. me three <laughs> three years later that uh, you have to be showing me what is happening so you can no longer mm, yeah. just be raising on vibes anymore so. <laughs> Yeah, six years ago, founders were going to Silicon Valley. So, yeah, I still want to know who those founders were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they are pretty obvious now. I'm not going to mention names. <laughs> Then now people are going to Silicon Valley with web mm-hmm. and they want to still bank the unbanked. And of I'm course. laughing. Come on. Uh, well, the bank unbanked has to be banked. Manuel, don't spoil anyway. my market. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Use market. Uh, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. We are supposed to talk about, about that. it now. <laughs> okay, Bolu. Uh, yes, please sell your market. Okay, we sell have our market. Web three. Okay, we have a Web three focused event coming up, the Tech Point Africa Blockchain Summit, and we are going to be deconstructing everything Web three blockchain, uh, making it as simple as possible. We have some of the. Uh, biggest and most known names in the ecosystem and they will just be taking us through the journey what what it has been like how they've been able to make a name for themselves in the industry the opportunities that are present and how not just Af- you know how Africa in general can harness these opportunities we've announced some of our speakers today we still have uh lots and lots more to announce you know coming up we're mm. going to have the likes of hilario mitogun from nest coin she's going to be telling us how she was able to grow herself in the space in the web three space being a design we'll have sales between a lot of things around finance generally and the crypto ecosystem so we'll be telling us more about that and also we'll be asking questions asking the likes of gochuku Arunu, the ceo and co-founder of send finance and also mm. the ceo and co-founder of ycrypt it's it's just going to be absolutely amazing we have yeah, some yeah. nft artists that will be coming telling us how to mint those nfts or those mm. grandmother and grandfather pictures that you think you can yeah. make some money <laughs> off yes they'll be teaching you how to do that uh, and also the technicals things are very technical in the web3 space and there's a lot there, there's a lot of opportunities there you said don't uh, let the them thing... out of the bag Oh, and yes, then okay, anticipate okay. how do no, they register <laughs> okay good so go and register okay, go yeah. to blockchain.techpoint.africa exactly. register and if you're an elderly person and your children or your grandchildren start taking interest in your pictures just mm. give them close marking give them close marking <laughs> you might be good at the end of wherever you're heading exactly yeah yeah that's thank you bolu for that event is a really important one and it will help us understand this whole space this whole hype and help you position yourself for the future yes that's that's the main uh, conversation so don't forget head over to blockchain.techpoint.africa we're going to be linking to the website in the description to for you to register also if you want to see the list of confirmed speakers we'll also be linking to that in the description so yeah there's we've talked about a lot of things right so the fitness applications the central african republic's acquisition adoption of bitcoin as a legal tender however surprising that may seem then 
there's hidden lives expansion to Kenya and of course slowing or the global venture capital landscape which of course is this is just like the tip of that iceberg right there's there's I think there's a lot to uncover in that space and uh, if you have any thoughts kindly share with us so uh, you can email us at podcast at techpoint.africa you can tweet at us with the hashtag techpointafricapodcast and uh, if you're listening to those listening to us for the first time where can we get this podcast anybody okay you can get it on google podcast apple podcast please which other podcasts are there wow <laughs> wow <laughs> so, <laughs> there is i at radio Yes, teacher. Yes, yes. By the way, we promised we'll bring me what today, but unfortunately, I haven't found job. I've not found a job in the police station yet, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can't drag. Yeah, yeah. He's still around with us, and yeah, just uh, experimenting with a new structure. So yeah, when shout out to our producer. Yeah, okay. shout out to Muiwa. He's, he can, he's hearing everything we are saying, and of course, really yeah, well. that's it. Thank you very much. All right. Oh, he's waving Thanks, now. Everyone. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry if you notice anything, any issue with the sound or our coordination. Uh, we're recording this remotely. We're all doing public holiday while still looking for ram meats, even though Bolu is saying this is not the one to eat ram for. It's not the ram one. Okay, you push start to find these celebrations. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, they should, should just give us meat. So yeah, thank you for listening to the end and uh see you in the next one. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.